Our Father in heaven, we are grateful for this time that we have to gather together for this forum. And we pray that you teach much to us. Work in our hearts. Change them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Stone gates. What's a stone gate? Does anybody know what a stone gate is or what it's used for? Protection? Okay. Define what's ours. Okay. To define what's ours. Separation to let. Separation to keep people out. Boundaries. Boundaries. To keep people in. Well. To keep people in. Very good. To allow to go what's protected and what's unprotected. Oh, very good. So not so it it's kind of a weak point, if you would, because it allows things through, but it's, you imagine this, something, you know, something three foot thick on very large hinges, you know, something very secure in some way. Very good. And this, a lot of times, do you know of any stone gates now? Have you ever seen a stone gate? Who here has seen an actual stone gate? Switchbacks in a... Oh, that's it. I hadn't seen that. Brother Greg? No, we'll no. just ask who's seen one. Who's seen, you've seen one? Where? Uh, the large mansion. The large mansion, okay. So, but traditionally these stone gates, they were from years long ago. So let's talk about firewalls. What's a firewall? Something on my computer. Oh, something on your computer? I, I didn't expect that from a builder, actually. <laughs> Okay, yes. That's, I think, more the origin of it. But I think this other one is very true. And we're going to talk about that as we talk about E-Camp, right? Um, so a partition to keep fire outside or in one section, if a fire were to get break free in a building, you don't want it spreading so quickly throughout the building. And so it's an extra heavy batch of bricks or an extra heavy batch of a drywall or some fire retarding material to keep what we would call evil out. Stone gates, firewalls, they both are to keep the evil out. Fools! What's a fool? Let's the evil in. <laughs> Let's the evil in what? Okay. Fools. What? Rejection of God. That's the definition of a fool. Excellent. What? Not wise. Not wise. Excellent. Traitors. What's a traitor? They act like they're on one side, but they're really on another. Some famous traitors in history? Judas Iscariot, Benedict Arnold, very good. Brutus, Brutus. a two Brute, yes. Okay, and breaches, what's a breach? Huh? When the gate gives out. A weak section of the wall where, where something breaks through. 
An opening. An unplanned opening, maybe. Okay. What do you th what's this picture of? Can you see it? Now, this is a beautiful house, and you can see that there's a nice security gate in front of this house. It's probably even locked. Okay? Um, and my son tells me, you know, it's not just windows, it's all of them, okay? But I'll give you an experience that I had um, when I was putting up my Wi-Fi and uh, trying to set it up, I wanted to make it so that it didn't broadcast. Because I thought, you know, if you're not broadcasting that this, this wireless is available, well, then nobody's going to know and nobody can get in. And I was so proud of myself. I said, don't broadcast, you know. And so then later on, uh, I got this old computer from work. It's, it was 15 year old, 15 year old, years old, five years, like a 20-year-old, teeny little laptop, and we put Linux on it. And we got Linux on it, and it's just, it was amazing. It came up, and it's working, and you can browse for programs on Linux. You can just, there's like applications. And, and there was something to talk about, you know, hooking up Wi-Fi. Oh, I want to hook up Wi-Fi. And I, I turned it on, and all of a sudden it shows me all of these available connections, including my hidden one. I was like, what, what's this? And when you go to research it a little bit more, it turns out that... Not broadcast. It doesn't mean that at all. It's still as it's actually worse to hide them because then they are sending out this code every so often, all the time, and supposedly just sometimes. You know, not to get into the details, but it really wasn't secure. And there's another app on Linux you can get that automatically listens to other people talking on that, and within a half hour, it'll figure out what the codes are. You know, it's not secure. We think we're secure. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis. Um, this is of a famous Christian long ago. And he quoted this. When he was a young man, he prayed constantly for chastity. But years later, he realized that while his lips had been saying, Oh Lord, make me chaste, his heart had been secretly adding but please don't do it just yet. We're going to talk about stone gates. We're going to talk about fireworks. We're going to talk about how to keep the evil out of our lives. But this sentence, that last little bit, Oh Lord, make me chase. But his heart had been secretly adding, But please don't do it just yet. There's the traitor. And it's not there, it's here. It's here. It's inside of us. And, and I, I can't figure out any other way to describe it. Either we're fools, or we're traitors. We're going to learn about these uh, gates and firewalls. We'll talk about the verse in a minute. Uh, that can protect our thought life, but they are useless as long as fools and traitors are manning those gates. So here's the inspiration uh, for a book called Eight Stone Gates. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, the gate of truth, 
the gate of honesty, honest, the gate of just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Thinking on these things, this is our thought life that we're talking about here. And if there's one thing you remember from this forum, remember Philippians 4.8, because that's the key. What do we think about? More than we want to say. Oh, that's getting close. Good. Things that we don't have courage to say. Excellent. What do we think about? Okay. Huh? The future. How about here at camp? There are just pure thoughts here, right, at camp? Yeah, I don't want to know. You know, as Lori and I were talking about this, she goes, I wonder if anybody's going to say the evil thoughts that they have. You know, or even mention it. Yeah, because we can talk about, oh, we think about the future. Yeah, that's very safe. Yeah, we're thinking about the future. We can say we're thinking about the past. But I'll tell you, I bet I've had dozens of evil thoughts here at Eastern Camp. Ranging from morally evil thoughts to just bitter evil thoughts to, oh, thoughts, this is unfair or that's unfair. And they're thoughts that come and go. Right? They just wander in and they wander out. The truth gate. So we're going to talk, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are, and we're going to talk about these a little bit. Because when you think about that verse, and that, the other verse that we're going to have at the end, taking our thoughts captive. Taking our, this is a very key thing, because a lot of times we think that we're really victims of Satan, or, or the devil made me do it. Somehow we're victims, and we don't have any control over this. And I don't think we do, but through God we do. Through his strength we do. The truth gate is for admitting thoughts of what is true. It's where we allow only information carefully validated and certified to be true. Have you heard anything that's untrue lately? So, just some little thing. Oh, I like that one. It's almost like she was set up. Um, yeah, I, I will go with that one. Because I love milk. We get 10 gallons a week at our house. And it never fails if I drink milk in public that somebody will come up to me. They just feel compelled to come up to me and tell me that milk is bad for you and that adults shouldn't drink milk. And they have this whole thing lined up for why you shouldn't drink milk anymore. Who, who read me? They read too many articles. They are, and, 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 article, you can read true articles, or I don't know where they're getting these articles, because I've never found a legitimate article. I've, I've been curious to say, well, where are they getting this? Um, and I've never found anything true to substantiate it. And then I was sitting uh, with uh, Barb and Tony at the table the other day, and I was thinking about this a little bit, and so I thought, oh, I can ask and see. Is it true that we shouldn't drink milk? And no, it's not true. I mean, some, for some people, they you know, get a lactose intolerance. There's all sorts of little things that might make it so that they shouldn't drink milk, but it's not true in general. And give me another one. Things that are not true. Have you heard any untruths? Affirmations. 
aspartame, which is in soft drinks, turns the formaldehyde at room temperature. Or that it causes cancer. So is that true? It is true? Wow! Absolutely not. Okay. So therefore, you shouldn't drink soda pop because if you put a nail in a can of Coke, it won't be there in the morning. Okay? So this is... Um, these are critical things. You know, these are little things. You know, drinking milk or drinking Coke or whatever. You know, but what about... Have you heard? Yes? Okay. Oh, this is, ex okay, that is where we wanted to go. Thank you for bringing us there. So, she generated her own untrue thought. It wasn't even a thought that she was told, or, or a, a, a lie that she was told. She generated her own. Oh, somebody was walking by me, I waved hi. She didn't even acknowledge I exist. There's, she has a problem with me. Well, she, that other person was thinking about all the time. I, I bet I have offended all of you because I was on some mission, right? But in truth, I just wasn't, I, I wasn't truthfully thinking about or looking to acknowledge people, right? So we build up these falsehoods in our head and then a root of bitterness can set in, right? Until you catch yourself, until the Holy Spirit says, hey, that's not true. So then we have to, so... One of the key things that we need to think about then is how do you know when you're getting off on these bad thoughts, right? Well, I think a lot of times the Holy Spirit, if, they're, if it's bitter, you know, we know from the Bible there's a bitterness growing up inside of us. We're dwelling on the wrong things. But there's a traitor inside of us, right? And it's like, yeah, you dwell on that. She really was, you know, ignoring you you got to remember the traitor that's inside. The honest gate. Honest gate, emitting thoughts of the good that could be. Where's my notepad here? Right behind you. Okay, whatsoever things are good, what, what are honest thoughts? Or noble thoughts, that's another way to say it. That word in the King James could be honest or noble. Okay, something that leads to good. Remember when I was young, I had aspirations of starting a mission in downtown somewhere, and it was, I would say that was a noble thought. Yeah, and that's the, dwell on that all you want. That's a great thought. Noble thoughts. Because what happens with thoughts after a while? Kind of leads to action, doesn't it? The converse, if you have bad and ugly thoughts in your head, it can lead to bad or ugly actions. So you don't want to have the bad or ugly thoughts there. 
And if you think about those noble thoughts long enough, like right now I can see Bob. He's thinking, I haven't had that thought for a long time. I might have to start thinking that again. And then Leanne's saying, no, you can't think about that right now. Or Bob is saying, no, I don't want to think about that right now. Deep inside, you know, there's that, yes. Okay, tell me. We kept, we kept them talking to somebody. Say, you look sick. You look sick. You look sick. And everybody, all of us friends, put, put that together. And by the end of the day, that, that fellow went home, and he was sick as a dog. <laughs> and and did, did, you, you, did you purposely say, let's yes. say this? Oh, yeah. We, we planned this. Oh, your generation <laughs> is so evil. <laughs> wow. Okay. Conspiring to encourage people. It almost sounds like that oxymoron. But I like it. I like it. it. Wouldn't that be the definition of provoking one another to good work? I think so. I think so. Um, wow, this is good. Conspiring to provoke, conspiring to make. Um, blessed are the peacemakers, right? You know, that's a peacemaker. You're trying to get things better. I like it. So, honest or noble thoughts. So, if you were to conspire one with another to think on how to uplift a brother or sister or a project or, or something, that would be an honest or noble, a noble thing to do. So, those type of thoughts, those are good. Put that on your checklist. I'm going to let those thoughts dwell. That's a gate. Now, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. That's a gate that they can come through. Okay, I'm going to jump and then come back. We're going to talk about these gates, Right? These are gates that you're opening and gates that you're closing. And you look over the wall, and it's like, ah, somehow you have to look over the wall. Those, somehow those evil thoughts, they do come in. I don't know how they get there. Sometimes we do know how to get there. You can say, oh, I know where that, okay. But a lot of times they're just there. And it's not like we're talking about a city with 10,000 gates, and anyone take, any one gate you're through. no. You know, it's got to pass all of these eight gates before you let it in, before I let it in. So it's not like many gates. It's almost like it's a prison. And before these thoughts can get out of prison, they have to pass the truth gate. They have to pass the noble gate. Let's see. Progressive, right? Progressive. There we go. Just. They have to pass the just gate. The just gate is for thoughts that are proper and appropriate for the son of a king. The just gate, or right gate, that's another way to say it, um, is designed for thoughts of what should be. Give me an example of what's right or just that you should think about. We should be more friendly to visitors. Okay, good. More friendly to visitors. And, you know, some of these things might cross over. Help the oppressed. Help the oppressed. That's just, right? That's very excellent. And how would you help the oppressed? Okay. Thinking about helping the oppressed. Thoughts of what should be. Being an advocate for the downtrodden. Okay. Very good. Even within the church. Even within the church. So if you see something that's not quite fair going on, 
You know, sometimes we have to stand up and say, hey, this person is kind of being unjustly characterized. They've been put into their little box and everybody thinks about them in this way, but you know, there's good in that person. It's not fair. How many people have been treated unfairly in the last year? Okay, that's good. How about in the last month, have you been treated unfairly? A little bit less. How about this week? Has anybody been treated unfairly this week? Yeah? The married service. I don't know. I thought it was pretty fair. Here, let's, let's switch it around. I thought that was great that they let us leave for three quarters. Don't, don't you think that was great? You know, we actually had hope. We were smiling. Okay, he said that it was not fair what the singles did to the marrieds. You know, they were, the marrieds were untreated in married single basketball. And it was not fair what TJ said about Mark. Although I think it was fairly accurate. <laughs> no, I really don't know. I, I... Okay. But, you know, a lot of times we have these feelings that, you know, this isn't fair. I, and it's not, this isn't fair because he's being untreated. No, I feel that I am being unjustly hurt in some way. I've been overlooked. Somehow I want to think that it was unfair. But really, like your friend to you, it, it, it really had nothing to do to you. Sometimes, sometimes there are unfairnesses that happen to us purposefully. But a lot of times it's just our perception. And we think, oh, it's unfair that that traffic officer gave me a ticket. <laughs> now, more than likely that's not true. But it's possible. It is possible that it would be in that particular case unfair that you would get a ticket. Maybe you did fully, completely stop. But you know what? I would think that in some other point in your life that he didn't give you a ticket for something you should have got a ticket for. But you didn't think, oh, no, that, that was very fair. No, you didn't think that way. Okay? So the just gate, the things that are right, um, things that are right, and a lot of times we might feel a little conviction where we see somebody being treated unfairly or maybe characterized or slandered a bit. And, and we could say something, but we don't. If it's right, if it's just, we should, we should think that and act upon that. Okay, then we hit that already. The pure gate is designs for thoughts that are free from impurities and contaminants. The pure gate is for thoughts of what ought to be. Okay. Pure thoughts. I had a hard time with this one. I kept on coming up with opposites. And those are okay too. What? Esteem others above yourself. Okay, think of others higher than yourself. We should do that. Excellent. Very good. Be holy as I am holy, God says in the Bible. And I think that from ourselves, it's very hard to pressure out some pure thoughts, but us. When we compare or seek for to be fulfilling this uh, this uh, mandate in the Bible, then I can bring out some truth, 
Okay, so when you think about being holy because God is holy, and you ponder upon what that really means, that's a, that's a pure thought. Okay. But when I say pure thoughts to you, what are you thinking right now? Do a whole bunch of pure thoughts pop into your head right away? It doesn't it happen that way? So you know what? Uh, I just remember when we, are, oh sorry, when we are in the nature and we see something beautiful of God's creation, I think those thoughts, those feelings and thoughts are pure. Oh, I like that. So sometimes you're, you're hiking and there's a babbling brook and there's nobody around and there's the sound and there's the, the, the flow of the water and, and you can just enjoy God's creation. And that's a pure thought. Brother Gary? Gold, pure gold. Something. He thinks about this all the time. Brad? I think a pure thought is something that's absent of self. So if we're involved in it in any way, it can't be pure, but as soon as we remove ourselves, our sinful nature from it, then it's pure. So a pure thought is something that is absent from ourselves. Okay, very good. Okay, so, yes? Also, I was thinking about this. You know, like in the guy's door, we, you know, there's a lot of... Pure thoughts going on. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, as soon as you say guy's door, I, I, I think of that opposite somehow. I don't know why. Well, there's a lot of egos, and, you know, everybody's kind of just seeing who's there and, you know, sizing each other up, just seeing, you know, there's a bunch of... Uh, how did I say? Uh, communication going on without words being said as you go by in the halls, you know, guys, the other guys, and you see maybe somebody looks at you a certain way and you maybe can take it uh, as a threat or you can take it as, uh, you know, trying to show dominance or whatever. You see all of this body language going on. I think your pure thought, though, is also not prejudging uh, the way somebody maybe looks at you instantly, you know. Maybe we, there's something else on their mind. Uh, we may not realize, but we can prejudge them, put them in a category. You know, like you see some of the younger guys, you know, you think, oh man, he's going to be trouble. And they're being a really nice camper. So we have to be careful, though, how we view other people, maybe with the way they look at us. Maybe there's something else on their mind, something else that they're going through, and that we give them the benefit of the doubt of having a pure mind, not quickly prejudging them. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. You know, I, I was thinking of some opposite of pure thoughts. And um, pure, to go, synonyms with pure, pure, clean, moral, chaste, untarnished by sin. When we think of pure, we can think of pure gold or pure water. You know, these are both nice things that are pure. And the opposite of the is we think of lustful thoughts or thoughts of vengeance. Those are the opposite of, of those pure. So if you're having a lustful thought or a vengeful thought, it doesn't come through the gate. Kick it out. Close that gate so it's pinched underneath, right? The lovely gate. Whatsoever things are lovely. What about lovely? What are some thoughts that are lovely? Beautiful music. Beautiful music. Okay, very good. All the children are in bed. They're so good when they sleep. 
That is a lovely thought. Other lovely thoughts. A sunrise is a lovely thought. Sure. Thinking of heaven. I can see heaven now. All the children are in their beds. <laughs> the sun is setting. Yes. Alone time with God. That's a lovely... Just thinking about that is a lovely thing. Not Let alone... Having that alone time with God, yeah? Okay, very good. Love is a relationship, and only God can fill that relationship. That is a perfect, uh, lovely thought for me. Also, like, I'm a social person, love to be with people, but that is a perfect one. That is what I was created for. Very good. For the tent? Okay. So, so that's why it's important to say, okay, being alone with God is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Even though being alone by itself is Okay, so let me repeat that for the tape. So it could be, depending on our circumstance, when you think about being alone with God, oh, that could be a very nice thing, especially if you're not alone. If you're very, very busy, very, um, a lot of input coming in. And you think, oh, it would be nice to have that quiet time with God. I, you know, it's interesting, and Lori will tell you, sometimes when we're having a lot of people at the house, I just disappear. And I, uh, she might find me in the room or she might find me in the garage. And the other day I went out to the garage, you know, for that, I, I'm not doing it, I'm just sitting, I have a chair out there that, you know, was thrown away and we fixed it and that's the garage chair now. Um, and you can't fix it too well. Or else it becomes the house chair again. So you have to fix it just, just enough, you know? So we have this comfortable, ugly chair in the garage. And I went out there to sit in my chair. And my son Michael was sitting in my chair. And he was just having his garage time. I didn't know what to do about that. I kind of feel bad kicking him out of my chair. <sighs> Lovely thoughts. Lovely thoughts. Um, thinking of things that are worthy of your affection. And all of, a lot of these things were, were lovely thoughts. Did I see another hand? Yes. Oh, okay, hold on. We're going to stop from there. Brother Bob. Uh, my sweetheart snores. Oh, I didn't hear that. I won't repeat that. Oh, we can, we can talk. <laughs> okay. Oh, see, that is turning what could be a very annoying thought, right? A noise in the night keeping you awake. There's a dripping faucet. There's, there's all these different things, but Brother Bob, he, it's a sign that his partner is still there. His wife is still there. Very good. Okay, there were two more hands. I was saying that. Unity. That is a lovely thought. And when you think about that lovely thought, and if you think about it enough, 
and you're thinking about it, and all of a sudden there's an opportunity to, to build up the brotherhood. Yeah. It's going to jump out. Look at that card. All the beautiful children. Or what was it? That are here. Yes. All those children that are being so good. Brother Bob? I had to learn that my service to the Lord is a beautiful thing. And, and then I took that. I, I actually had, because I'm by myself a lot, and I have to have every sermon, I kind of made an excuse once about that in congregation. I had a, an old lady take me aside and, and say point blank, let me ask you a question. Don't you like to preach? And as a typical ACC preacher, I wanted to write with, oh, no, 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 I'd rather some other brother did it. Uh-huh. And she said, Apostle Paul said, woe unto me if I preach not Christ. Very good. And I had to learn that I, she said, you have the blessing of being able to be used of God to communicate his gospel. You should love that. And then I took that and I, 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 I clean convos now as part of my job. I clean other people's homes. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked me, where are you going? And I said, I have the pleasure of cleaning Mrs. Mazur's condo today. And I started to look at that that way. And all of a sudden, service to other people and service to the Lord becomes a blessing and a real a lovely, thought. lovely thing to do. And it makes me feel loved and loving when I think about that. Very nice. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Being alone during the week, I, I really look forward to a Sunday at the church. Um, so a lovely far for you is going to be with the brethren at church. Right. I'll be going. And that's where I'm getting to. Right. Excellent. I was just thinking about the service of the Lord. Um, I'm actually debating right now. I'm actually supposed to be helping out with the um, kitchen. I was debating, should I stay here? We'll go to the kitchen. I thought, service the Lord. I should be in the kitchen. So, excuse me. I'm With our blessings. Go. <laughs> go, brother. Thoughts of service. Those are very good things. Very good things. The lovely is for the inspiring thoughts of beauty and delight, both physical and moral. The lovely gate is for thoughts of God and whatever draws us toward Him. And a lot of these things we just talked about can draw us toward Him. It's just how you think about it. Satan wants us to think the other way. Oh, I'm so miserable in life. I have to, I have to go to work. I have to see all those miserable people at work. I have to see those miserable condos. I have to, I have to go to church and I'm miserable. Well, that's not a way to live your life. And it's not necessarily, it's not a a true thought, going back to the true. You know, it's in our minds. We, we, and we're, and you can't blame Satan. You know? Brother Ted? I had wonderful, a lovely experience of feeling the chastening of the Lord. Okay, one more time. You had experience, experience. Oh, chastening. So not, it's not often that your child says, oh, thank you for bringing the rod out, right? <laughs> dad, you're such a good dad. <laughs> but here's, and, and you, at that, whenever that time was, 
you were able to say, thank you, Lord, for that chastening. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. You know, how quickly was Rome built? Not in a day. That's all we know, right? You know, it takes time to build these walls and to hang these gates. How long does it take to hang a door? Two hours. Two hours. Well, if it's a big, you know, commercial door. A day, you know, it might take four times as long, more. You know, what if it's a big bank vault, right? We're hanging some pretty big gates. Jerusalem, rebuilt by Nehemiah and his crew, by God. 50, 52 days? Take some time. So as we're going through our life here, just remember, don't be discouraged if a little bitter thought gets in or an unlovely thought gets in or an untrue thought gets in because it takes some time to build these walls up. It takes some time to to hang the gates. Whatsoever things are of good report or admirable. That gate is for thoughts of things that are inspiring and deserving of high praise and approval. The good report or admirable gate is for thoughts of those things of which we are capable. What? So let's talk about some admirable things. Maybe it's going to cross over some of these things. Things that are admirable. Yes. Praising the Lord is very admirable. Very good. Admirable. Oh, well, thank you so much. But, you know, you used, abused, in service. It's just how you think of it, right? Very good. Perfection. You know, there's a lot of times where we don't have that um, when you're thinking of things that are so good and admirable, right? When you're striving for that perfection. And when, you know, just like the adult choir, Laurie was saying, it's so nice to see that striving for the perfection. Yes? Okay. Very good. Thinking about how to act. On the noble thoughts. Noble and admirable, you can almost put in the same box in that way. Very good. So, admirable things. Uh, I just want to give an example of Scripture in Scripture. You remember the story of the widow casting in her two mites? You know, that's admirable. You, You might think, yes? Okay. So we're actually supposed to be desirous of those uh, of, of being used of God, but we should also be able to admire those things in others, and that should that shouldn't cause a, a bitter thought or an envious thought. It should actually be an admirable thought. Right. Very good. Yeah, you see, I'm still trying to think of 
how to deal with Brother Edmund's comment, right? So he, he thinks it was admirable how the granite, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I don't even know what to say, and you kind of want to put yourself down, right? And is that right? You know? I, oftentimes when I think I'm getting overworked, um, I think of sometimes when I, I go out in nature, and we go for a hike, and it's a long hike. It's a slog. You're going up this hill, and you're, it's just a horrible thing. And you'd much rather at that time be working. It's easier to work. But, you, but somehow this is better. This is fun. <laughs> and it's just how you think about it. And if you think about work that way, or if you think about whatever you do in that way, it can be an admirable thing. It can be a, a good thing. The excellent gate. For his thoughts of things that possess outstanding qualities, things that are remarkably good. The virtue, excellent gate, is for thoughts of those things to which we should aspire. I would like to share something we were talking about this morning at the breakfast table. Mm -hmm. uh, some of us have a special gifts, a special talents from them. Okay. This is, in an artist's life, in a musician's life. Yeah, no, this is very good because there is no way that we can create beautiful things unless that God has put that ability in us to create those things. And then when we see them and we can admire them, and we can admire the talent. And see God in that. Yeah. I mean, when you think of, you know, dogs are nice, right? Cows are okay. But you would never think of one, you know, creating this beautiful piece of art, right? Except maybe if it was abstract art and somebody put mud on his paws and said, well, look at that work of art, as he walked across the floor. I'm sure you've done that when your dogs come across the floor in your carpet, right? Oh, what a beautiful work of art he has just created with that mud. But very good. Excellent things. Going back to music, some excellent things. Every time I hear a trumpet play... And it, and it hits all the notes and it hits them right. You know, I used to play drum, And I think, wow, when, when it happens, because it's so rare, <laughs> it's excellent. It's excellent. Harmonies. Harmonies. It's not just part of our heart. Yes. Where the excellence is somehow played out. Very good. Very good. Sure. Straining to do things. I think God doesn't expect us to be any more excellent than we are able to be. But that he does expect. Sure. Right? So if there's a handicapped person sure. that they normally couldn't even get close. Right. And they're doing... As yes, very good. They can be. We can all be excellent in those ways. And there was another hand here, brother. Ann. I was asking if you comment on the difference between excellence and perfectionism. 
Oh, excellence and perfectionism. Okay, let's, let's open that one up to the floor. What's the difference between um, excellence, achieving excellence, and perfectionism? Because somehow perfectionism has a negative connotation. Well, I gave this speech out at the Zion's Harvesting in California, directing the choir out there. I told people from the beginning, I'm not a perfectionist, and I don't expect perfection, but I do expect excellence. And that means that we fulfill our God-given capability, whatever level that is. As Brother Bob commented, I 100% agree with what he said. Excellence means I have done my best and nothing less. So in the case of the Zionsarpsing, where you were, Brother Greg was trying to bring excellence to a group of handicapped singers. (laughs) And they did their best. And we were all blessed for it. Yes, Brother Mike. As Christians, we're striving to be like Christ. That's our perfection. But as we go along in our, our pathway, we're striving towards excellence, but we're striving towards the final goal. We're being perfect, that's excellent. Okay, ex- excellent. <laughs> Perfectionism kept me from Christ for many years because I felt I was not good enough. Mm-hmm. And being that kind of mindset. So perfectionism kept you from Christ. You kept on thinking you couldn't do it perfectly, Brother Tom? <laughs> what he kind of pointed to, the fact that perfectionism, but also our standard put on others. Oh, I like that too. Our standard put upon others might be perfectionism, yes? I don't know if anybody's going to hear me. But I think it also has to do with um, our own perspective on what we are doing, like why we're doing it. Um, and I had this experience with my music recently that you know, if I'm trying to play my best because I want people to think well of what I've done, that's perfectionism. If I want to do my best because I want other people to enjoy it, it actually frees me up to make mistakes because I understand they're going to enjoy it anyway. And, um, to you know, but it's for the other person instead of... It's just switching your mind a little bit for the other person and suppose yourself. Yes, sister. In my mind, perfectionism puts all the onus on me and I'm trying to do it myself. Whereas if I'm striving for excellence, I'm allowing the power of God to work through me okay. and accept that I am an imperfect Very good. Very good. Letting God work through you breeds excellence. If, you're, if it's from yourself, it's maybe perfectionism. Praiseworthy. I think I clicked already. Praiseworthy is for thoughts... If there be virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. It's for thoughts of things that are highly commendable, things that are worthy of applause and tribute. The praiseworthy gate is for thoughts of things that are inspiring and motivating. Okay? Some praiseworthy things. There's a, now, sometimes we think, oh, well, why can't I get this hymn out of my mind? But other times we can think, what a beautiful hymn. Yeah. And we should think the second more than the first. <laughs> Praiseworthy things. Praiseworthy. Oh, sorry. A converted soul. Oh, a converted soul being praiseworthy. Pray, God is worthy to be praised for the work that has been done in that soul's life. Excellent. Way in the back. And also, 
how God works. Okay, so it's praiseworthy to hear how God works in the mission field. And how he works in cultures that aren't really as, you know, Western-centered as, a, as, you know, say, North America. But yet the word of God still carries just as much and in some cases more power overseas in across cultures, across nations, across languages. So that's praiseworthy. The, the fact that God can work in spite of the culture barriers and maybe even more fully, it seems, because in America, North America, um, we have had our gospel inoculations and we just don't want to hear anything about that. Excellent. Praiseworthy things. Way in the back. Very praiseworthy. And these are things that we're supposed to think about. It's not necessarily we're supposed to go around giving people all this praise, which we can go and, and we can encourage and uplift. But this is for things for us. These are internal thoughts that we're supposed to think on these things and be inspired by others. When I witness other parents you know, expressing such love and appreciation for their children, and you see... You know, families who reach out to those uh, to, to others around them, and you can see the way that the, the love is, is going. It motivates you and it inspires you to be uh, you know, a much better father, to reach out to those in need, to, to be the arms that, you know, that hold the world around. Excellent. Very good. Some things that I see as praiseworthy is, um, it may cover the scope of a few of the gates, but sure. the ministering brothers or the brothers that lead Inspiration Hours or any converted soul that shares a testimony. And you're just so moved, so inspired by it, and just you tell them just what it does for you and how it affected you, and it's always you always hear the response, "Well, all glory, praise be to God," and that He has worked through that. So just them allowing the Spirit to work, I, I see that as of praiseworthy. And you're saying that, that you not only you think about these things, but you even offer that. You know, recently um, somebody came up to me and they said, "Oh, I have to tell you, um, my girls." went to your forum last year, and because of that, they stopped watching some television program. I, can't, I didn't know it. Um, but, you know, I have, I have a soapbox. Yeah, I'm up on my soapbox. I have a soapbox about um, pretty much most of the media. It's not the television. It's not the medium of that. But I have this soapbox, and I'm on it a lot because I feel that it does so much damage to bring in, it just opens the gates to all these evil, unpure, everything that we've talked about, somehow when we sit in front of that, the gates are just open and, and the rabble comes right on in. And, and when you're on your soapbox for so long, uh, it's good to hear that somehow, some way, that somebody said, oh, they stopped watching it you know, last year because of that. And I thought, oh, that was so nice because you just, you have a hope. You have a hope that what you're saying is going forth. They're making a difference. Taking thoughts captive. So let's talk about this. Uh, I've kind of paraphrased because I, I didn't want to type it all. Um, but the very first, uh, verse 3 in 2 Corinthians 10, for though we walk in the flesh, what does that mean? We're human. We're here. I can touch. I can feel. And I have these thoughts that I shouldn't be having. 
we walk in the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. What does that mean? We're not on the flesh's side. Okay. We're not on the flesh's side. One more time. It's a spiritual battle, Brother Edmund. Oh, you know what? We have to read this because you're right. I'm leaving out a whole bunch. Somebody find this and read it. I actually have it over there on the piano. Got that Bible there? I think I have it right open. Yeah, I do. I'll just read it here. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after our flesh, after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, this is key, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or physical like you see, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And you think of the battle of Jericho, right? What did the Israelites do at the battle of Jericho? They obeyed. They obeyed. And what happened when they obeyed? These walls. Were these little, little teeny brick walls? You know, these, these walls don't just fall down, but through God, right? So, um, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is, you know, of all the things you're learning today, Philippians 4.8 and this, bringing into captivity that. Oh. Where's my computer? Okay. Breaches. We talked about breaches, right? Breaches of the gate. Um... How many of you have had your gates breached this week at camp? Yeah? Another, um, another quote that I have. This is very important also. Because, well, let me ask you. You can read the quote, but we'll talk about this first. What happens when the, the, the gate is breached? The enemy comes in. Good. What is? So a thought weak in action. So an action weak uh, habit. So a habit weak character. Oh, that yeah, that was in my. Yeah, that's a good one too. I didn't put that on there. So a thought reap an action. So an action reap a habit. habit. So a habit reap a character. character. And that's who we're, what we're determined by, right? That's what we're we're portrayed to all other people. Yes, way in the back. Okay, very good. If the, if the levee is breached, you've got to rebuild it. Is there a breach that somebody can share with us that happened that they, you know, for whatever frailty, that they left the gate open and they, they experienced this breach, Yeah.
undergrad, moving on to optometry school, and it's kind of like mm -hmm. a weird time. And my own thoughts and whatever, I just keep thinking about like all the future and all this, all these kind of what ifs. And um, I've been letting in a lot of untrue thoughts because it's a lot of thoughts that aren't in reality, although they seem so much more tangible than like God's reality, right? So it's rebuilding that and asking God to show me his reality and to show me to what is true. To keep you on things that are true. Right. As opposed to all these other things that could be, might be. Okay. Very good. Did I see other hands about breaches? So, a breach occurs. We know they occur. Do we give up? No. If it occurs, never mind. After each failure, ask forgiveness. Pick yourself up and try again. Very often, what God first helps us toward is not the virtue itself. You know, not trying, you know, not opening and closing that gate in and of itself, but just the power. What God is first trying to get us to do is just that power of trying again, because so many times we think once we've left that gate open, oh, it's open. You know, I'm just going to do the same thing. I, yeah, I've already done it. I, I might as well just continue doing it. No. God says, be ye holy because I am holy and it's not acceptable to leave that gate open. And so, very often what God first helps us toward is not the virtue itself, but the, just this. The power of always trying again for however important chastity or courage or truthfulness or any other virtue is, this process trains us in habits of the soul, which are more important still. It cures our illusion. Are there any good things that come from breaches? The awareness of our weakness. Right there, right? The awareness of our weakness. Brother Mike? We need to know what our weaknesses are so that we can strengthen those weak important parts of our lives so that they don't become breaches again. Very good. Brother Chad? You got to do both somehow. Very good. Very, brother Bob. You know, two ways to rebuild a breach. It depends on if the traitor's still inside or not. Oh, very. Good. Two ways to build a breach, rebuild a breach, and it depends if the traitor's already inside. Go ahead. Um, because if the traitor's still inside, we're going to build that breach pretty weakly. Um, oh, you don't need so much. You know, the traitor's going to be telling us just build it a little weak. So I think what I would say is that. There needs to be a sorrow, a repentance, a confession, the things that we've talked about this week, to really look at a kind of a surrender to God to get rid of the traitor so that we would do what Brother Mike said and, and build that breach, rebuild that breach so thick and so heavy that it can't be broken. Can't be come through. Yes, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But we just don't want to resist too much and he camps out there a little bit. Yes. And, and Brother Joe, some things that some, one thing that I had to learn as a very young brother Sometimes, like the scripture says, I can't overcome that by myself. The mind thought, the sin or whatever that's infiltrating me, I need spiritual help from another brother. You know, if you're overtaken with the fault, go pray. Confess and let's that you may be healed together. together. Yeah, because I think sometimes we try, to, we try to hide and cover up. We're going we're to fix this ourselves. 
Right. And God wants to teach us just the opposite, how much we really need each other. Very good. Very good. So, it cures us, our illusions, about ourselves and teaches us to depend on God and His mechanisms that He set up to confess one another and, and pray for one another that we may be healed. We learn, on one hand, that we cannot trust ourselves even in our best moments. And, on the other, that we need not despair even in our worst moments because that's one of the tricks Satan has for us. Oh, you've failed. You should be in despair, and I, that way he can kick you when you're down. When you're down on the ground, now he has you know, a better position. Yes. just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Proverbs 20, verse 4. 24, 16. 16. Very good. So, it's that picking yourself up again, allowing God to pick us up. We need not despair even our worst, for our failures are forgiven. The only fatal thing is to sit down content with anything less than perfection. Okay, and you know we're not talking excellence here. Is it doing the best that we can? Oh God, this is as good as I get. I'm glad you're taking me as I am. Uh uh-uh. uh God, it's His standard. He's allowed to be the perfectionist, and we can't rationalize or wheedle our way out of anything less than that. Any thoughts? Any comments? Way in the back. Yes? Can breaches be yes? Can breaches be good? But there's a, there was a group of Christians in the Bible that had breaches, and, and it was Apostle Paul maybe who told them that, what carefulness it wrought in you. Okay. So there was a breach in this group of, in, in the scripture, what, caref- what carefulness it has now wrought. They were much more careful after. And you think about Peter, right? He denied Christ three times. And what a huge breach that was. But all the more, when he came back, he was restored and uh, to strengthen other brethren. Okay, well, thank you very much for all of your time.